Welcome to Living Fellowship. Good to see everybody here. Welcome online. Glad you're with us. You've joined us here today. We've been talking about some uh, really cool things, if I can say it that way to you. Uh, I feel like we always do, but I'm especially excited. We've been talking about prayer and being led by the Spirit of God. We're going to continue uh, to do that this morning. And if you have your Bibles, we'll start in John, the 14th, uh, 14th chapter. Read a couple scriptures there. Let's give you a little heads up on what we want to do this morning, what we're looking at. Last week we talked about being spiritual, and we're going to continue to do that this morning, and then adding with that, as we have, uh, teaching on prayer, what I call true prayer. I mean, there's a lot of prayers, but we know according to the scriptures that you can pray a prayer that's amiss, and then you can pray a prayer that you can have confidence in, that if you pray according to the will of God, you'll have the petitions of your heart. So we want to talk about um, prayer. And then in these chapters from John 13 through 16 and probably much more, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. 12, he's talking about his uh, death and how he, he's going to die. And, uh, but the preparation that he's giving them is so that they will learn how to, first of all, receive him, receive his spirit, We'll read it, but he said, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. He said, he that's with you shall be in you. Now that really relates to us because it is imperative that we let the Spirit of God, we'll see it teaches us to pray, but the Spirit of God to lead us. They that are led of the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And you've got to think about the magnitude of this. And we'll go into a, a really cool exhortation and a, an imagination about uh, imagining Jesus looking for him to come to you your whole life. He comes, he is with you three and a half years, and then he dies. And he's not there anymore. You can't go to him and ask him, teach us to pray. You can't go to him and say, Lord, will you interpret what you've been saying this whole time? Uh, he's gone. And the 12 disciples don't understand. They had expectations on Jesus setting up a, a kingdom in that earth. And now he's gone. And of course, in three days, he rises again and uh, replenishes their hope. But I mean, think about this for yourself. Your goals, your expectations, your aspirations, everything. Let go when Jesus dies. And you don't know what is going on at all. Their source for the word of God was taken from them. And we're going to tie this in for us here today. Uh, even when we're led of the Spirit, sometimes we just try to serve God through our knowledge and through the Scriptures. And to know the Scriptures is very good. But like Paul said, we know that we all have knowledge, but knowledge puffeth up. And there's a difference between just having a knowledge that puffs you up, puffs you up, and a knowledge of the holy. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. There's a big difference between the two. As a matter of fact, it's so big that in the beginning, God told Adam not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day he eats of that tree, he's going to die. So there's a big difference between living for God in your knowledge, in the knowledge of the scriptures, and being led by the Spirit, and having, like the scripture says, the steps of a just man are ordered to the Lord. The Lord leading you and guiding you. So that's a little bit of a process. I, 
I'm being conservative. It's a pretty big process, learning the voice of God and learning how to be led by his spirit. But that's what Jesus is doing. He's preparing them for when he's not there anymore. And they can't go to a tangible man and talk to him. Now they've got to trust God that the spirit that they receive, that now Jesus Christ as the comforter, as the spirit of truth, as the Holy Ghost is in them, and they've got to learn how to walk by the Holy Ghost and by His Spirit. We're going to talk about all those things today. Hopefully, we'll see. If you have your Bibles, as I've already said, John 14, verse 25. Oh, the other thing. About four or five things here. But uh, a question. What does the Spirit do? What does the Holy Ghost do? There's a lot of things that the Holy Ghost does. And if you're learning how to be led by the Spirit Walker, it's pretty important to know have some sort of expectation on what what the spirit does we'll look at it in the scriptures but it is the spirit itself that teaches you how to pray this holy ghost teaches you all things leads you guides you into truth as a matter of fact we'll read in romans 8 about 26 that we don't even know what to pray for as we ought and paul calls this an infirmity it's a sickness when we don't know the will of God and we don't know how or what to pray for, specifically it says what to pray for, but even the disciples didn't know how to pray. They went to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray, and, and he did. But beyond Jesus being with them and teaching them to pray, we're going to see that it's the Holy Ghost's job. It's the Holy Ghost's responsibility to teach us to pray. And the more we learn how to, to pray in the Holy Ghost, the closer we're going to be to God. And like I talked last week, that power source, we actually become one with it. I'll read you a scripture here today. You know how everybody talks about uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost? You know, they're in the Bible. But when people will say in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Ghost, I'll read you a scripture where Jesus said, it's the Father, it's the Son, and it's you by the Holy Ghost. Father, Son, you, Merle, by the Holy Ghost. I'll show you. Watch and see here today. John 14, 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Now, Jesus is with his disciples, and he's getting ready to talk to them about the Holy Ghost, which even in the book of Acts, there were some that when they went and preached Jesus to them, they didn't even know that there was such a thing as the Holy Ghost. Jim, how old were you before you realized there was a entity or a thing called the Holy Ghost I, I was uh, mid-20s yeah I, I didn't know what the Holy Ghost was the spirit of truth some of you are raised on in in church some of your Merle basically birthed on the pew in the in, in church and heard it all your whole life I remember when I first heard about that and I read it in the scriptures about the spirit of God and the Holy Ghost I was like I, I'd like to have that, that that'd be great Lord, please, can I have the Holy Ghost? I'd like to have the Holy Ghost. You see all the works of the Holy Ghost and how important he is? I want the Holy Ghost. How about you here today? Do you want the Holy Ghost? Amen. Well, it's pretty simple. Pray, ask, seek, knock. All of it, you'll find. You'll get it. The door will be open. God will give you. He will not withhold any good thing from the son that he loves. Mark my word. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, 
whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. What does the Spirit do? Look right here. Teaches you. He shall teach you all things. When you're going to somewhere or somebody to learn about God, your best source, the best place to go is to the Holy Ghost, is to the Comforter right here. He shall teach you all things. And look, here is a huge work of the Holy Ghost. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. I will say this again to you. Jim was having a conversation with Rick. And Rick told Jim, Jim, when I remember you, that's me praying for you. I'm telling you here today, when I'm in meditation and when I remember you, I'm praying for you. That's, that is my prayer. But here's a key. How am I remembering you? Am I remembering you as a righteous person, as a good person, and setting you before the Lord and saying, Lord, bless this individual. They are faithful. They, that's a good person. They love you. They're, they're my friend. Or am I bringing a petition before the Lord and saying, Lord, look at the evil that this individual has done. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Don't, you know how they say if the shoe don't fit, don't wear it. If the shoe fits, wear it. Well, if this don't fit, don't put it on here today. But I know some wicked, wicked, wicked people in this physical realm. Evil. And, and some of them are so subtle that you don't even know it. You don't even realize it. They, they'll be nice to your face and say all the right things around you and just be full of hatred. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican, there's a spirit that works in this world that uh, anytime you go to the extreme of anything, that spirit will try to put you into a hatred where you will despise and hate others. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus died for these people. You better be very, very careful who we're hating. Uh, if God doesn't hate it, you shouldn't hate it either. Does God hate at times? Yes. So how do you know what to hate? The Holy Ghost has to show you. He said, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Many times in the book of Psalms, King David would say, I, I hate your enemies, Lord. I hate my enemies with a perfect hatred that he said. But when, when you're dealing with people in the spirit of this world, be careful. I don't you know, your political views or how you look at certain things that's going on in politics, you have your right to what you believe and what you desire in those things. Just please, whatever you do, don't let a spirit that's not the spirit of God take you to a place where you hate people that, that God created and God and Jesus died for. We okay with that? Now, remembrance remembrance this is really neat i use rick for an example and, and i think about you guys all the time i'm remembering you continually as a matter of fact madison that's why i love to have conversations with you guys i went over to maddie's house this week and we had a great conversation i had already been remembering her and the things she's thinking about and going through in her life and so i was praying for her beforehand then we got together and talked that gave me more thoughts to, to pray about or to remember her in. Are you with me? Last week, I believe it was, I, I might have mentioned it, but it's been within the last 10 days or so, I was in a meeting, as we always do in fellowship, at a restaurant somewhere, and I get a text from Rick. And he says, real simple, 
the Lord is with you. And I thought, that man's remembering me. Uh, Jim, that man's praying for me. That, that's what he is not only saying and prophesying to me, Tim, that's what the Lord is saying to him about me. And that's the whole key. When you pray, it needs to be inspired of the Lord. And you say, well, I don't know how that works. I just pray for whatever I want to. Well, that's fine. Pray for whatever you want to. I got it. But are you willing to allow the Holy Ghost to teach you and take you farther in truth and in the understanding of uh, prayer? If you're willing and you'll volunteer for that, I'm going to tell you something. If you're willing, he's able. And God is faithful. Let me tell you right now. Well, remembrance, remember. And this is where we want to remember one another. James said, uh, confess your faults one to another and pray ye one for another for the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So the prayer that avails much comes from who, Jim? Jesus. Comes from the righteous man. Well, where is that righteous man? Because he departed from the disciples. Where is he? Say, he's in me. The righteous man. When that righteous man begins to intercede from within you, now you're praying the true prayer. Now you're going to get results, actions, understand and know the will of God, and work the works of God. Does that sound good? I mean, it, nothing sounds better to me, to be honest with you. Now, if you go back a chapter, I'll show you, in John 13, and I'm going to tell you right now, you need to read 13, 14, 15, 16. And, and if you get excited about reading those four chapters, go back in Genesis and read the whole Bible over again. How does that sound? <laughs> but uh, some of the most powerful things have had uh, this writer inspired by the Holy Ghost speaking to me just, just gets me so excited, Walker. And it leads me closer to God every single day of my life. John 13 and 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Now notice here, beginning of John 13, what is he doing? He's getting ready, he's preparing his disciple for his departure. you got to think about this, and I want you to imagine this in your mind. These 12 disciples were what we call Israelites. Israel is God's chosen people. Not only is it a country, this is funny, you, you may laugh about this, but, but it's also a people, it's God's chosen people. And I spoke this to somebody, and I'm not going to say their name, but even with the last, within the last year, and it's somebody that's been to church a lot, and they said they did not know that Israel was a people. They only knew Israel was a, a country or a state. And so you never know what you're going to say that might mass is smiling. <laughs> you never know what you might say that somebody doesn't, has never heard before. So don't be shy. Speak the Word of God. Preach the Word of God. But these 12 disciples were uh, Israelites. They were God's chosen people. They were of his seed, going all the way back to Adam, coming through Noah, coming through um, Abraham. God, there's two different genealogies, one that goes back to Abraham and one that goes all the way back to Adam, and it's God's remnant. It's his, his seed, his people. Are you guys with me? Now, his people, the Israelites, the 12 disciples, 
they had lived their whole life waiting for Jesus to come to them. Do you realize that? All of Israel was looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the Savior of the world. They knew him to be or going to be the king of Israel. They'd had a lot of kings before, but Walker, they didn't have a king from Malachi to Jesus, to Matthew. That's 400 years. They call it 400 silent years. So how did they know? They had the prophets that prophesied of him. But have you ever read the Old Testament? Could you have even got the fact that Jesus was going to be the Messiah from that? I don't think so. You just knew there was going to be a Savior. And you knew there was going to be a Messiah or someone special coming to you. Because God chose you. So how did they know? They had the prophecies, but people talked. Prophets, uh, priests, men and women of God passed down, you could call it rumors. They, they passed down the word that the king is coming. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to be a Nazarite. And he is going to be the savior of the world. When Andrew finds Jesus and realizes this is him, he goes and tells Peter, his brother, and, and Jesus comes to all 12 disciples and says to them, even like Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs, follow me. Simple, follow me. So in your mind, think about this. My greatest desire is coming to pass. The Lord, our Savior, the King of God's chosen people has not only been born, Walker, he's 30 years old, and he's getting ready to manifest the works of God in our very sight. And guess what? You know what? He chose me. He chose me and 11 others to forsake all, to give up everything else in life and follow him. And as they met Jesus and they began to walk with him, they believed, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. They didn't know everything about him. They didn't understand everything, but they knew, hey, I've uh, never heard a man speak like this man before. And they knew, hey, he speaks with one that has authority. Not only does he speak with one that has authority, he has authority. He can speak to the sea. He can speak to the waters and calm the waters. He can walk on water. He can cast out devil. He can raise the dead. He can open blind eyes. He can open deaf ears. He can heal the lame. This man is the very power of God manifested unto us. And his preaching was like they'd never heard in, his li in their lives. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, Walker, in their mind, that they had found him. They had found the one that so many were looking for for so long. And then in John 13, what does Jesus start to show them? Look at this. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart. Now he's, he's got to say, yeah, you found the right guy, but I got to depart. I got to go away from you. And they didn't understand spiritually what Jesus was doing. They did not understand that he had come to do his father's will, and a part of his, father will, his will was to give his life, to lay his life down for the sins of the world. Are you with me? So this would be like meeting your biggest hero ever. It's God manifest in the flesh. It's everything you've ever desired. It's everything you've ever loved. It's the fulfillment 
of all things to you spiritually and in God. And then it's taken away from you. He's gone. What do we do? I talked the other night, and I'm going to show you this again right now. Because whether you believe it or not, you do it. <laughs> we all do it. We've all done it. Some do it more than others. But Jesus was their tangible man that they could go to for the word of God. And in a split second, that's taken away from them. I said this the other night, but for a lot of people here that, that deal in knowledge and know the Bible very well, like Walker, Tim, and myself, um, there's a great tendency, anytime you hear somebody talk about God, or a spiritual person preach, or you hear the anointing, is to immediately run to the, the Bible. Let's see, what, let's see what the scriptures say. Or I, I know that that man's talking the, speaking the truth, so let me verify it by the scriptures. And there's nothing wrong with the scriptures. Paul did say that the letter killeth and the spirit giveth life. So there is a difference between just reading the word as logos and as a, re a rema word of God coming to you. In other words, a live word, a live word. Reading the Bible is good. Walker, you haven't wasted one second reading the Bible. But when you're transitioning from just having a knowledge of God into being led by the Spirit, that knowledge can hinder you. But let me say a little bit more. Once you learn how to be led by the Spirit and you know that Bible that well, you're even that much better off. Are you with me? So when I spoke on Wednesday, I said that Jesus was their tangible man for the Word of God. For some people here, when they get hear the word preached, the Bible is their tangible man for the Word of God. They run to it. And I had some other people say, well, I don't understand that so well because I don't do that. And I started really meditating on that and thinking about it, Tim. No, you don't do that because you haven't put the time in for the Word of God. You, you don't know the Word of God like some of these people that really put their time in to know the Word of God. So what does that person do? When they're trying to figure out things they've heard preached, when they're trying to figure out their dreams or, or you know, what God's saying, they go to a tangible man named an elder or a deacon. And I've noticed at times the ones that don't know the Bible real well, like, well, let me say it this way. Have you ever talked to the elders? There's seven of us. There's not many more individuals or people on the face of this planet that know the Word of God better than your seven elders. I'll tell you that right now. Every elder, all seven elders have pastored a church and some are still doing it right now. But sit down with them. Sit down with me. You want to see, uh, see individuals that know the Word of God? But see, this goes one step farther because you have some elders that will not only know the Word of God, Walker, but they have learned how to be led by the Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Ghost, and there's a huge difference between the two. And the, the person that tells me, well, I don't really go to the Scriptures, uh, you know. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. But if you can't figure it out in the Scriptures, what do you do? You go to one of those elders, and you try to get some understanding. You get some inspiration. Now, what I'm saying to you right now is, how would you act? How would you handle if all of that was taken away from you right now? You're on a deserted island. <laughs> no written Bible. No iPhone. No Apple Watch, Sophie. Nothing. <laughs> nothing with the Bible on there. 
No elder, Tim, to go and say, hey, I've really been thinking about this, or I, uh, you know, I heard your preaching last week. All of it's taken away from you. You have to either be led by the Spirit or be led by another spirit, be led by the wrong spirit, and that happens too. That's why I would encourage you, while you have the Bible, while you have the elders, learn how to be led by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Ghost, because it's of the utmost importance. And saying that, that also relates to what I'm saying. What does the Spirit do? But could you imagine, just for a minute, I'm going to spend just a little bit more time in this. Those disciples, when their tangible source, or I, I'm going to say it that way, because people stumbled when I taught on Wednesday, when I said a tangible man, and then I equated it to the Word of God. I understand what I'm saying, because in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14 of, of John, the first chapter, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This whole Bible is Jesus. The whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is Jesus. It's the man of God. It's the righteous man. But has any of you ever received a text from somebody and you read it and you're like, whoa, what, what, they, what are they mad about? What did I do to them to get a text like that? Because you're reading the text, and just like the Bible, if you're not able to see their expressions, to hear their voice, you know, to know their character, to know them, or if, you, if this is even greater, for them to be able to explain to you that text, we can interpret it wrong, can't we? Anybody ever do that in, in their, on their phone? Somebody send them a text, and you're like, why did you send that like that? What are you mad about? So Jesus was their tangible man. I know in this physical realm you have elders that are tangible men and, and uh, deacons, men and women both, are, are tangible human beings you can go to. But I will guarantee you for the most part, most of the time, when you're trying to figure out God, you run to your source called the Bible, which is true and used properly is very good, absolutely. But my point in this whole thing is, as you're beginning to learn, hey, I have the Holy Ghost. I, I, am, I need to be led by the Spirit of truth. And the Bible in knowledge is taking away, being taken away from you. It's just like those disciples. We got God manifest in the flesh, the Son of God. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's gone. Do you see where I'm teaching this from, Walker? When we take away your knowledge of the scriptures to establish your relationship with God, it's for the purpose, just like Jesus, he's preparing them for his departure because now, we're getting ready to read this, I'm not with you anymore, but I'm going to be in you. And how you used to learn from me when I was without is going to be different now. You with me? Because even in these chapters... They tell Jesus, Lord, we know and believe you're, you're who you say you are. Uh, would you no more speak in Proverbs? Would you speak plainly to us now? They're telling them, even though we've said it before, we really don't understand you. Anybody ever read your Bible and go, man, this is a word of God. This is good. And I don't understand anything I'm reading. <laughs> Come on, be honest. I'll got my hand up first. I believe it. 
Believe it's the word of God. I believe it's good. I believe it's a truth to him, and I don't understand it at all. Anybody ever read a chapter and you get done, you go, what did I just read? What was that? I can't remember anything. I have no knowledge. No, I don't even have the knowledge of what I just read. So you do it again. That's what was going on with these disciples. Walker, their dreams, their aspirations had come true, and then in a split second, all of it taken away from them. For you and I, as we're learning to be led by the Spirit, that's exactly what happens to us when we take your knowledge away from you. Your tangible source called the Scriptures is taken away from you, and this is what Jesus is doing. He's preparing them to receive the Holy Ghost, first of all, and to, um, to receive the Holy Ghost, and then to be led by the Spirit of Truth. And that brings me right to this point. Well, what does the Spirit do? I'm glad you asked. Go with me to Romans, the 8th chapter. We'll just go over a few things real quick. What the Spirit does. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit, and I've said this before, but remember the word Spirit, it's capital. That's the Holy Ghost. A small s. It is the spirit of man or another spirit, anything besides God's spirit. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. So what does the spirit do? Helps our infirmities. What is our infirmities? I'm going to read that for you. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. An infirmity is not knowing what to pray for. The Holy Ghost is there to help you with that. He said, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What does the Spirit do? Makes intercession. Look what else. Verse 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit knows the will of God, Walker. It, it searches. What does the Spirit do? Searches your hearts. Did you know on a daily basis, continually, that the Spirit of God is interceding and searching your heart and you uh, many times are oblivious to it? You don't even know that it's going on. How, how much greater would it be to be aware of that? To have a conscience. You remember last week we talked about plugging into the, the power source? Plugging into the electric grid and that power coming to us and, and powering up that vacuum that we talked about, running through that cord and causing that thing that was created to be able to do what it was created to do. That's being one with God through Jesus Christ as the creation that God has made you to be. But if you're not plugged in, nothing works. It, the, the whole design of what it was made for is not accomplished. That's exactly what happens with our prayer life. So we don't know how to pray. Well, who prays for us? The Spirit. What does He do? He searches the heart because He knows what is the mind of the Spirit. And He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now go with me to uh, John 15. I gave that illustration of the vacuum. Jesus gives a better one. We'll use his right now. How's that sound? He said, uh, I am the true vine. This is verse 1. I am the true vine, 
and my father is the husbandman. You got the father and the son here. See that? Every branch in me that beareth not forth fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now are you clean through the word which I have spoken unto you? Abide in me. In other words, plug into the power source. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. If you're not plugged in, no power, no prayer. Your prayer will be like that Pharisee that Jesus told that parable of. He prayed within himself, Tim. He prayed within himself that I've done all these things right. I've paid my tithes. I've uh, fasted. I've done these things. And I thank you I'm not like this publican here. But you know what he prayed? First of all, he prayed within himself. It wasn't the spirit interceding. And his prayers were a lie. Jesus spoke that parable uh, concerning them that... Um, were righteous in their own eyes and despised others. But the other man, a publican, the one that the Pharisee said, uh, I thank God I'm not like him. You know, I'm not like this guy. You know what the, the publican did? He prayed the truth. He wouldn't even lift up his head unto God. He smote his chest in the bosom and said, I'm a sinner. God have mercy on me. He said he prayed the truth, Tim. And which one? Go back and look at it. Which one was justified? The one that thought he did everything right and told lies, Jim? Or the one that knew he was a sinner and spoke the truth to God? That man went to his house justified. That's how you want to pray. That's, that's humble, isn't it? Because true humility, Tim, is being able to receive the truth. It's not just taking the low road and, and you know, putting yourself underneath somebody else or submitting to somebody. True humility is, is being able to receive the truth, acknowledge it, and accept it. Humbling yourself before God. Now, let's see. Where did I leave off on? Five, Walker? I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That vacuum... If it ain't plugged into that 110, it's not doing anything. It's doing nothing. Verse 6, just a little bit more here. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them into the fire and they are burned. In other words, you could have a brand new vacuum, most expensive one in the world. If you don't have electricity, you just throw it in the trash. Unless you want to use it for a paperweight or something. It doesn't do what it's been created to do. And neither do we if we don't abide in Jesus. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Is that prayer? Are you asking what you will? I'm going to read that again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask. In other words, you shall pray. This is prayer. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Wow, that's awesome. So I can pray and ask God for anything that I want to in Jesus. You with me? As long as I'm in Jesus. As long as it's the will of God. And when I do, I can be confident, Dathan. I can be confident that I'll have whatever I ask. And if I have to, I'll say it again, in Jesus. Now, one more chapter over and we're almost done. 16. 
I mean, look what Jesus is doing. He's showing them, I got to go. Verse 1, these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. I got to go, and you're going to be filled with sorrow, and you're going to get offended. But I'm, right now, I'm taking the time to prepare you, to prepare you for a new life, a new walk with God. I'm still going to be here, but I'm not going to be here. Are you with me? Watch what he says. Uh, I want to go down to, yeah, I just paraphrase this, but 16 and 6. But because I have said unto you these things, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And here's what the Spirit does. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. He said, I have yet many things to say unto you. But right now, he said, you cannot, you cannot bear them now. How be it? When the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. That is very important. Walker, what does the spirit do? He guides you into all truth. He teaches you how to pray. He intercedes on your behalf. True prayer, Jim, comes from what's in your heart that God intercedes and speaks. It, it all flows from the throne of God. It, from, it comes down from your father which is in heaven. Jesus mediates it. Your spirit, as Paul said, my spirit prays. And then if you don't understand the prayer, guess what? You're to pray that you may interpret it. We've been covering these in these lessons. If you go back and listen to the recordings. Uh, let's see. Did we read six? We have not, huh? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We have to have Jesus. You want to learn how to pray? The Spirit will teach you. Who's interceding through that Spirit? Jesus is. Verse 16, that's what I was looking for. John 14 and 16. Jesus just told him, if you, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Walker, what does the Spirit do? He abides with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. This is really cool. Jesus is showing them the Spirit right here. This is very important to pay attention to. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And then he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Who is the Spirit? Tim said it. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He gave his life, was in the grave three days, resurrected, went back to his Father, and then fulfilled all things by sending us the Holy Ghost, sending us his Spirit. And that spirit is doing so many awesome, wonderful things. And one of the greatest things is, not only is teaching you how to pray, but interceding on our behalf. True prayer. 
Amen? Any questions?